0: This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the evening worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for November 12, 2023. The title of the message is The Warning of Wisdom. Well, we come now to uh, that portion of the service in which we read and open and read God's Word. If you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5, We're continuing through through the book of Proverbs here. And uh, maybe in the coming weeks we'll take a short break, but for now we'll just try and finish chapter 6, or chapter 5. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we pray together. Our Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, as we open your word, may it illuminate uh, our hearts and our minds to know the truth, to illuminate uh, the path by which you call us to walk. Lord, may it illuminate uh, those parts of our lives that need your light and your truth and particularly your wisdom. Lord, would you be with your people as they hear and with me as I read and proclaim. May it be a means of grace and a blessing to your people. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you'd... Turn with me to verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 7 to 14. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. O now, sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life you groan when your flesh and body are consumed and you say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Have you ever made uh, a bad choice in your, in your life, uh, especially in your youth? Did you ever make a choice that you still regret even to this day because it changed the course of your life? Did you make a bad decision that <coughs> resonates with you even now? You know, in our youth, uh, and this is kind of the, the nature and the character of youth, that uh, we don't think too much about long-term consequences. We only think about the short-term gain. And some of us might have followed the world's way of thinking, you know, just do what feels good at the moment, just give in to the moment, and don't worry about what happens later. Just like uh, like last week, you know, as we saw last week at the earlier portions of chapter 5, those bad choices that the Bible warns us against over and over again uh, is like, is like the sweet taste of honey. You know, it tastes sweet and it tastes good. But if you, if you just keep eating honey, you know, if that's all you eat, then at the end later on, you get sick and you'll grow sick and tired of it, and it won't be good for you. And it's gonna actually taste bitter. I don't know if you've ex- exper- ever experienced it, but if something is way too sweet, it just doesn't taste good. You know, you just it just uh, you just get tired of it. And just like that, just like that, what's sweet at the beginning becomes bitter at the end is very much the picture of how the folly of sin and adultery operates in our lives. This is what folly and adultery is all about. That it tastes good at the moment, but in the end it leads to bitterness, destruction, and ruin. Tonight, we, I want us to look at the pitfalls of adultery, the folly of adultery, and how the gospel saves us from our self-inflicted ruin. And so let's, let's unpack what that means. First, the writer of Proverbs shows us the pitfall of the dishonor of adultery. Uh, in verses 5 through 7, he warns us that you have this kind of, uh, this kind of, uh, repetition of warning, you know, it's, it's almost like a constant refrain, almost like a poem that repeats itself, that refrain. And uh, look what it says there. And now, sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. And who is that? Folly, who is uh, personified as a prostitute. And do not go near her house um, and And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so again, we have the context here of a father uh, giving instruction to his uh, sons, to his, to his children, and he warns them not to depart from his words by keeping away from the personification of folly. There's this prostitute who's dressed like a prostitute, whose who's enticing words are drawing. Uh, vulnerable young men uh, those who are vulnerable towards her to to uh, sleep with her and to, and to break covenant their marriage covenant with her and so he warns them uh, to keep away from her and keeping away from her and not going anywhere near her house so the so the picture that the writer of proverbs is painting for us is not unlike what we see when um, When you go to certain cities in Europe, for example, or certain cities in Asia where there's a quote-unquote red light district, Uh, uh, there are streets and neighborhoods filled with brothels and motels where scantily clad women, uh, women of the night, women of the city, you know, if we want to echo the words of scripture, are calling out, saying, hey, you know, I'm here. And and so the, the writer of Proverbs is, is warning us both metaphorically and literally to avoid going near those places lest we be tempted and fall into sin. And then he moves from, from this warning to verses 9 and 10 where they serve as warnings uh, through, through characterizing the pitfalls of what happens when you ignore the father's instruction, right? So if, if the father warns us not to, warns his, his sons not to go anywhere near uh, these, uh, uh, the, the, the prostitutes or the area of prostitutes or the house of a prostitute, then he tells us what the consequences are if we fail to heed that warning. So what are these pitfalls? The first pitfall that he names in verse 9 and 10 uh, is, is to give away your honor. right? Do you see that? To give away your honor. Honor is that dignity by which we conduct ourselves and the inherent dignity by which we bear the image of God. We were created to be like God and to reflect his holiness and glory. Honor is that part of who we are And how we conduct ourselves, that is a faint reflection of God's divine honor and glory. So when we live in an honorable way, we reflect the glory of God. But when we fall into follies, temptation, and commit adultery, both literally with another woman, not our wife, and figuratively with idols, not the God of the Bible, then we are giving up that honor. We are acting dishonorably. And marring the inherent honor with which we were made as image bearers of God, and so we're we're not only dishonoring ourselves, but we're dishonoring God. We are prostituting ourselves. We're debasing ourselves, and giving ourselves over to a woman of shame and dishonor. And uh, throughout Scripture, and, and we're going to see later on in the in the Proverbs is the warning not to defile the marriage bed, that, a, that the marriage bed is, is a place of, is a holy place. It is a place in which the covenant between a man and a woman is sacred. And so to commit adultery, to follow after the prostitute who entices us into her home, is to defile that sacred marriage bed to bring into that sacred bond between a husband and a wife a foreign entity that has no place to be there and thus polluting that sacred bond. We are polluting that sacred bond and turning it into a thing of shame. We're taking what was supposed to be good and pure and throwing vomit on it, if you think about it. And when we do that, the the writer of Proverbs tells us that we are not only giving away our honor, right, but we are giving away our years. In other words, it's it's almost like, like uh with the act of sin and adultery, uh are the years with which God has given us are somehow being diminished. Um it's almost like like a, if, uh if if we had a certain length of 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 vigorous life it's being shortened every time we commit adultery. It's being shortened every time we do not heed the warning of of uh proverbs and uh in giving ourselves over to temptation to sin and adultery. Now, I'm not completely sure uh uh how to think about this reference here, it's really vague, right? But I think it's opening ourselves to someone who, who doesn't care about us, right? The merciless, right? The merciless woman, the merciless uh, interloper, the, inner, the one who brings a wedge between a husband and wife. It's like the husband who gets tempted into adultery and thinks he's in love with the other woman. And so he leaves his wife and thinks his adultery is going to bring him long-term happiness. When in reality, uh, to, the, to that adulterous woman, he's just another conquest in a long list of lovers. So when that happens, you realize that all the years you had built together with your wife uh, have all been thrown down the, to- down the toilet. Into the garbage, And so it's almost like you've wasted all those years, uh, those wonderful years with your wife, and you're going to waste so much more going forward. It's like tearing down the house you and your wife built together, and it's all gone for nothing. This is what sin and adultery does in your life. The second pitfall uh, in this section is the, not only the giving away of honor, and the taking away of years, but the taking away of strength and of the work uh, that you have built. The writer gives us another warning there uh, in uh, in verse, excuse me, uh, verse 10. Let's, lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. Now, again, I'm not completely sure. Because uh, it seems like in the book of Proverbs, there's um, layers of meaning, you know, layers of reference that it could it could mean literally uh, that all of these things happen, but it can. But I think it also brings in the language, the covenant language from uh, uh, Exodus and Deuteronomy, that, that the covenant language uh, that that God had given when He entered into covenant with Israel. Uh, At Mount Sinai uh, that uh, it was part of that blessing and curse uh, 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 for obedience and disobedience that if you obeyed the Lord out of faith and did all that he commanded then there would be particular blessings not that they earned those blessings but that uh, those blessings would be uh, an act of God's grace to them uh, in, in the doing of it by faith, but those but there were also curses uh, for breaking that covenant, for disobeying God, and it's it's spoken of in terms of adultery. So when Israel so when Israel, Entered into a covenant with the Lord at Mount Sinai, it's referred to as a a kind of marriage covenant between a husband and his bride, a bride and her groom. And so, if Israel, so when Israel whored after other gods and committed spiritual adultery, here's one of the most important curses that uh, God had proclaimed to Israel when they entered into that covenant was. When you commit spiritual adultery, when you whore after other gods, when you make covenants with other nations, when you should have exclusive covenant relationship with me as your as your husband, Lord, Lord says the covenant curse is that another nation will come and invade and take over, and you will be exiled into another land, that you will get exactly what you asked for when you when you uh, enter into a covenant with another nation and you don't put your trust in the Lord and you want to to uh, go and live with them it's almost like okay you can abandon the Lord go after those other uh, nations those other husbands and so God will give you exactly what you want and and exile is what he gave them uh, and invasion is what he gave them and so what that means then is because of those covenant curses because nations will come and invade everything that Israel had worked so hard to build will be taken over by foreigners Uh, that um, that the labors uh, that your labors go to the house of a foreigner right and that's that's the language of you know all the money you you work for is going to get taxed and go to Babylon right? Or go to some other entity uh, under which you are oppressed. And in many ways, not much has changed since then. This is exactly what happens, I think, when a marriage breaks apart because of adultery. So the couple gets divorced, lawyers get involved, money, property, and families get divided up, and they have to sell a house so other so someone else is going to live in it, right? They go, they each go their separate ways, and each party marries Again, to strangers, not originally a part of their marriage. It's all messed up. The point is, these are the long-term consequences of adultery that God is warning us against. Now, of course, it's not merely enough to keep us from sin, right? It's not, it's not that, you know, a warning against the, the negative consequences of sin isn't the only and most Primary factor to keep us from sin, right? We shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't live a holy life because we're afraid of the consequences. Something stronger, something more powerful has to compel us, to drive us to live lives of holiness. But it doesn't hurt to, to use those warnings for us to weigh those consequences. And that's what the blessings and curses of the covenant were supposed to do. They reminded us. Of the joy of faithfulness to God and the consequences of unfaithfulness. This is one of the ways that God warns us from all kinds of sin, including adultery. That we ought to weigh the long-term consequences of our actions and ask God to give us the wisdom and grace to make the right choices and to avoid as much as is in our power to keep far from any temptation to sin. So what that means then for us, uh, proverbially, is to stay away as far as you can from those red light districts of sin in our lives and in our hearts. Those sins that so easily entangle us and cause us to stumble. So if you're an alcoholic, don't go into a bar. If you're addicted to gambling, don't go into a casino, right? Whatever sins that uh, uh, that we struggle with, we ought to stay uh, away from, uh, stay away as much as we can and, or, and here's the other aspect of it is taking, you know, the idea of, of adultery can be something good that God gives us and we turn it into something ultimate. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, we, c- we can't avoid going to work when work becomes our idol, when we live for, for, um, the glory of, of success in our work. Uh, in that case, you know we have to make sure that our hearts are completely loyal to the lord so that work is work but god is god in our hearts we can work hard but we work hard for the lord first and foremost we we may, we don't have to live for the work but we can live for god and so we can do the work and glorify god and so there's another way in which we can actually avoid uh, the red light district of overwork and addiction to uh, to uh, being a workaholic, right? And, uh, you know, speaking from my own experience, you know, uh, you don't have to physically run from work. You can run from work uh, being idle in your heart and set God apart as holy uh, and live for him. This brings us then to my second point in this section, In this passage, we not only uh, see the pitfall of the dishonor of adultery, but we also see the ruination of adultery. Verse 11 gives us the more long-term consequence. Look at what he says there. Then at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. See, adultery takes a, a toll on your life. For whatever reason, sexual immorality and sin drains the joy and vigor of a person. I think it's akin to being addicted to alcohol or drugs. There was a there was a um, a deacon that I knew in my previous church who had a son who was a drug addict, and he accidentally OD'd on drugs. Uh, and I knew him before he OD'd, and uh, and over the years, from when I first started to when. When he had overdosed, I saw him slowly deteriorate from a vibrant young man with his whole life ahead of him, turn into a literal zombie who stole from everyone he loved. He post uh, the, the family posted pictures of him, you know, at the funeral, and and they were funerals of him before he was addicted. He was strong. He was handsome. He was he, he was vigorous he was healthy but uh, when i saw pictures of it, when i remember him when i remember him seeing him at the height of his drug addiction he was just a shell of what he was sin and adultery is like that it takes that kind of toll on our bodies and our souls And so the question is, why do we do that in the first place? It's because we hate discipline. We despise reproof, verse 12. This is the difference between godly wisdom and sinful folly. Folly says, I know everything and I don't need to hear what you have to say to me. I can do what's right in my own eyes. I hate being told what to do. I hate being told I'm making a mess of my life. I hate being told that what I'm doing and how I see things is sin and folly let me just do what i want i'm just going to go my own way that is the textbook heart of sin and rebellion all we like sheep all we like sheep have gone astray each of us turn our own separate ways so when we've read the warning signs that there's a cliff at the end of the road or there's a dead end and we ignore them we will drive off the edge of the cliff to our doom Look at what he says there. Why? Look at look at why everything happens um, as a result of not listening, right? He says, I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ears to my instructors. And because of all that, he says, I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. See, at the very end of it all, our dishonor or ruination is out there. For all to see, like an episode of Divorce Court. And I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, uh, dating myself. But uh, you know, was, I, I think that was like one of the early uh, reality shows that, like you know, kind of like trashy reality shows was Divorce Court, and it was heartbreaking to see it. But, uh, uh, but some of it you just couldn't make it up. You know, everyone sees. Everyone will see our sin and adultery because judgment is coming. And this is how it all points us to our salvation from dishonor and ruination in the gospel. In the gospel, Jesus is the true son who didn't depart from the words of his father and kept away from sin and adultery. And he didn't give away his honor but laid aside his glory willingly And humbled himself, taking the form of a servant, being obedient even to the point of death on a death on a cross. He was faithful to his bride all the way to the end. And like Hosea, who married a prostitute, Jesus bound himself to a sinful people in order to redeem them from their adulterous sins. Like Hosea, he took her dishonor and ruin and bore them in his body in order to redeem her to himself. To wash her whiter than snow, to cleanse her from all of her sins by the washing of his blood. He gave his honor. Here's the, the, the paradox of what we see here Jesus, in wisdom, gave, willingly gave his honor and his years to the merciless, not in adultery, but in redemption. So that when he died for sinners, and spiritual adulterers like us. At the end of his life, he groaned upon a tree bearing its curse. He hung at the brink of utter ruin before the people so that when we stand on Judgment Day before God, we can be forgiven and accepted. He gave his honor to us who deserve nothing but dishonor so that we might be called sons and daughters of the living God. And now in the gospel, we will no longer be consumed, both in flesh and body, in eternal judgment and hell, but we will be raised up to eternal life. So friends, brothers and sisters, look to the wisdom of God in the gospel and let us turn from the folly of sin and adultery. Let us not hate discipline or despise reproof, but to incline your ears to hear his instruction to you in the gospel. Would you turn and put your trust in him and you will be saved from the eternal dishonor and ruination that you deserve uh, in your sins. But in Christ, you will be lifted up in honor and glory and redemption. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth, the truth of your gospel and of your grace. Lord, help us to um, help us to avoid uh, folly and of adultery. Help us to be faithful unto you. Help us to to uh, obey your instruct, to hear your instruction, and not hate discipline. Lord, we thank you for the good news of Jesus that saves us from our sins. Bless us this evening. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen.